Welcome to the 50th episode of We Heard Wonders, the music podcast that's twisting the night away. How are you doing, Andrew? Hey, <laughs> yep, uh, uh, celebrated the mood here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to begin this podcast as I mean to go on, and it is a work night, but I'm going to open this uh, bottle of uh, Brewdog 7-Day Raspberry and Lime Vodka and have a little, just a little nip, just a little nip. What you got there? Quite right. Yeah, I've got a wee, wee beer of Moretti again. I need to, <laughs> to change up my beers at some stage, but yeah. The beer the of Moretti are actually sponsoring the podcast, I believe. The old I faithful. <laughs> I wish they were. <laughs> I wish they were. If there's any advertisers listening, like, we are not fussy. <laughs> like, we will take your adverts. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm thinking, you know, electric blankets. I'm thinking, you know, CBD oil. I'm thinking, you know, anything. Hair loss pills, whatever. <laughs> yeah, just completely shameless. <laughs> we heard wonders. Uh, and here's to you, Andrew. Cheers. But yeah, cheers, man. Cheers. 50 episodes. They said it could never be done. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're like the last two people to ever start a podcast. It kind of feels like, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was talking to yeah. um, uh, my partner's dad last night, Zoe's dad, uh, Gregor. Um, and uh, he, I was just talking about the podcast, talking about doing the 50th one. And um, he said, oh, have you heard this uh, this music podcast? And I've just forgotten the name of it. It's got, it's Gary Kemp that does it. Oh, I can't find it. But anyway, it's Gary Kemp. And then basically I looked at the list of um, guests that he's had on. And it's, yeah. it's like a who's who of the music industry. That's kind of what we're facing here. <laughs> it's true, yeah. It's true, yeah. Pretty much every celebrity's got a podcast now and they call up on their contacts and stuff. But, you know, there's a bit of... Uh, Homespun charm about ours that, that people seem to like. So yeah, people do seem to like it. And I think that's going to be a big feature of uh, this year podcast because we asked um, for our regular listeners and supporters to like send us questions, send us voice notes, and uh, we've we've been pretty <laughs> pretty bloody busy reading them all and 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 yeah, parsing no, through them all. Yeah, no, totally. It's been lovely. Yeah, and just uh, just every couple of days, just getting. Uh, a few more through and just bringing the smell to my face, just reading them and listening yeah. to them. So yeah, it's, it's lovely. I know. So yeah, so so um, I mean, I, I, one of my main things with this podcast is trying to get you to to listen to jazz. And tonight we're definitely going to be playing jazz. You know, just with with the, with the format of the show a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a bit free form, but um, yeah, we've got some questions from you guys. We've got some comments. Um, we've both chosen our kind of favourite tracks that we've played uh, over the, the 50 episodes. So we've got one each of those. And we've also picked a track that we just really want to play on the podcast as well. So a yeah. track that we feel that you really want to hear uh, this week. So yeah, so a total mixture of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think so too. I think so too. And I think um, what, we'll, what we'll get the chance to do here as well, hopefully, during the course of this podcast, is just for us to just chat a bit as well um, in a bit more mm-hmm. of a free form way. Because we do stick quite, you know, most of the time stick quite rigidly to, to talking about the new music tracks um, and less about less about us, I guess. Um, so now's a good opportunity for us to just say, hey, we're 50 episodes in, you know. Those of you who've been here since episode one, wow. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you so much for listening to all 50 episodes, if that's you. You receive nothing apart from the joy of listening to the 50th episode. That's your reward. Um, but we do appreciate it so, so much. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and we do know for a fact some people have listened to all fifty, which is just incredible. Yeah, um, yeah, long suffering. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we? Um, why don't we just get stuck in with a voice note? Let's get straight in with a a first uh, a first voice note, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, I'm just going to play this, and then we can talk about who sent it in uh, afterwards. You can tell us who it is. Okay, here we go. Hi, Andrew and Ian. My question is, between the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and Radiohead, who's made the biggest contribution to music, and why? Okay, so whose lovely, calm, sonorous voice is that, Andrew? So this is Gordon. He is a regular listener to the podcast. And uh, yeah, the, the key words that jumped out from that question were biggest contribution to music. So what say you? Who, who would you say out of those three? Um, I'm going to use the opposite of recency bias and I'm going to delete Radiohead off the end. Not because I don't love them or because I don't value their contribution to music, but just I think the other two are just in a different on a different plane, really. Um, and of those two, I think I'm going to have to say the Beatles' like intense period of like 63 to 70, um, where yeah. they covered so much ground, so many genres, so many like things like concept albums and all that sort of stuff, the rooftop, rooftop concert and all that sort of stuff, to me, is just unmatched. They laid down a formula for rock bands to follow, and it's arguable whether anyone's really done anything truly new since then, I would say. Stones have done lots of great stuff, and something like XL and Main Street is clearly a work of towering genius um but to me the beatles just kind of had it all to be honest yeah and they did so much of it first as well that was the thing and they did it at such a pace that it's just it's hard to look past the beatles really with this kind of stuff yeah um i mean radiohead i'd I'd give a shout out to them i think i think they really have uh you know really push rock music forward in the last 25, 30 years. And it's it's mad to think that they still are the kind of the dawns in, in terms of, of of alternative rock, you know, whenever they release a record, that's still a big yeah. event. And it's mad to be that kind of far into your career and still have that kind of influence. And I mean, the, 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 they've had a few albums that have been patchier than others, but they've never, they've never really went off the boil. They've always, you know, they've always delivered. Yeah. to varying degrees so and and the live shows have always been fantastic so yeah i mean i, I do I, I do love radiohead but yeah i mean the beatles just in terms of what they produced and yeah as i say the speed at which they did it so you're t- talking two or three albums a year for, for the time that they were together um as well as just all the things that they were doing in terms of pushing technology forward and bringing in lots of strange things into the mainstream and making it mainstream um it's just an incredible, incredible story, really. Can he be beat? Can he be beat? No. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, right? First track up today, we're going to play some Beatles because this is our 50th podcast, so we'll just do what the hell we like. Um, why don't you select, Andrew? What Beatles song would you like to hear? I'll give you free choice. I'll fill time while you think about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, blame it. Decisions, decisions. How about Andrew Bird can sing? I love that song. Oh, Delta. Here we go. Seven 
Andrew. Congratulations on your 50th episode of the pod. I always look forward to tuning in every Wednesday. Uh, the show has become mandatory listening in our office so we can get our fix of new music and it's introduced me to loads of new bands that I wouldn't have heard of otherwise. So thanks very much for that. I'm also a particular fan of your regular feature, Radiohead Bingo. So keep up the good work, guys, and here's to 50 more. Excellent. And I know Martin probably had his dauber in his hand as he said that as well. So <laughs> thanks to him so much for that. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah my, you, that's my pal Martin, who's uh, sent us that. And he's also the bass player on the Deadline Shakes. More on, more on Deadline Shakes later, I'm sure. Um, and uh, he actually did the cover art and uh updated the cover art as well for us um for for the podcast if you're wondering who did where did the logo come from i think we've shouted them out once or twice before but it was but it was marty yeah. that did it yeah and he's got the whole whole uh, he's got the whole hello down as well so he's yeah he's clearly an avid listener there yeah he said um it's that everyone in his office listens to it um, i'm pretty sure he works from home most of the time so i think <laughs> it's i think it might just be him um, but that's that's fine as well. So uh, cheers, here's to you, Marty. Thank you for that. Um, have you got a, a written question for us, Andrew? I do. Yeah. So uh, we got a, a lovely uh, message from a guy called Gary. Gary and Knight. He says, "I've loved music for as long as I can remember. So your pod is a real godsend to me when there's so much stuff out there. My subscriptions to Mojo and Uncut have long expired, but you're a worthy successor." Um, a really lovely message and his question was he says David Hitworth thinks 1971 is the best year for music what's yours and why um, so, I'm yeah. going to let you t- I'm going to let you take that one first and I have this strange feeling because we we messaged each other text about this question in advance but we didn't reveal our answer I have the strange feeling we're going to come up with the same year but you go first right okay um, yeah I mean I, I uh, Gary mentions this question there, uh, the David Hepworth uh, book, 1971, and he makes a really strong argument for that being the kind of golden age for rock music. And, you know, when you think about all the kind of classic albums that were happening then, you've got like, I don't know, Sticky Fingers and Blue and uh, What's Going On, There's a Riot Going On, all the stuff that was happening in Cosmiche music around that time as well. And uh, you know, it's, when you see the list of albums that were made in 1971, it is a very strong argument. I think you could probably make that argument for a lot of the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, if you took each individual year, uh, me personally, I feel like there's probably more amazing music that was made in the 60s than any other decade as well. So it'd be quite easy to maybe pick a year from that, maybe like 68 or something like that. However, the year that means the most to me and the year that I'm going to argue. Um, and I think I've, I think we kind of mentioned it a little bit before that that it was a really important year for me in terms of discovering music. I, I'm going to go for the year 2000. Ah, uh, no, we've not come up with the same year. But we're, not, <laughs> we're not far away. Not far away. Right, okay. Uh, yeah. So I mean, if I if I could kind of just list a few of the albums that were made in 2000. So you've got Kid A. You've got a lot of I mean a lot of these albums just meant the world to me at the time. They still do. So you've got uh, the Hour of Bewilderbeast by the John Boyle, Lost Souls, Doves, The Great Eastern, um, The Software Slump, Granddaddy, Lamb Chops, Nixon, which is just an absolutely sumptuous record. So, I mean, you've got these are all kind of, you know, quite very ambitious, quite orchestral, dramatic records that it was just, that it just got absolutely taken with at the time. In terms of hip hop, 
you, you know, you've got some of the best hip hop albums of all time. You've got the Marshall Mavers LP, you've got Stan Cornia, Outcast, Supreme Clientele, uh, Ghostface, uh, Voodoo by D'Angelo, which is one of the greatest soul records of all time. Um, and then yeah, just a lot that was happening in kind of heavier music as well. So you've got Relationship of Command at the Drive-In, Rated R, Queens of Stone Age, Exterminator, Primal Scream. Then you've got PJ Harvey, Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea. All the stuff that was happening with singer-songwriters. So you've got Figure 8, Elliot Smith. You've got American Free, which is the best Johnny Cash record with Rick Rubin. You know, so it kind of goes on and on. Um, and then you, that's before you kind of go into what was happening with like chart music, where you've got you know, kind of Timberland and the Neptunes really kind of coming into their own and all the stuff that Destiny's Child and Britney and people are doing, all the kind of weird stuff that they were bringing into the mainstream. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure like it's, it's not, I mean, it's you can't prove it either way, but I would, I, I, I want to kind of champion 2000 to say it was a brilliant year for music and anybody that kind of stopped in the, you know, in the 70s or 80s, you're, you know, there's still lots of amusing stuff happening. Well, you make a compelling argument for the year 2000 there, and there's a couple of records you mentioned uh, there that had a particularly big impact on me. Relationship of Command by At The Drive-In and um, the, the Queen's The Stone Age record that you mentioned as well, both foundational to me, playing guitar and, and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But unfortunately, you're still wrong, right? <laughs> I'm going to Go take on. I'm going to take your year 2000, Kiddie, and I'm going to go 1997, OK Computer. Okay. Okay, computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think, like, for me personally, 1997 was the year where it wasn't necessarily the year where I decided, like, um, I'm going to be, I want to be a musician and be in a band and dream of being a, but it was when I started, like, really learning that I really, really like rock music and I really like music of other genres as well. Um, and I do remember, I really distinctly remember the first time I heard any of OK Computer. It was at the back of um, the maths class at the, high school that I went to on somebody's cassette player and I heard like a snippet and I was like what is what is that what is that I need to get that what is that um and it was a, a, a you know a fell in love at that point with Radiohead but I mean there are some just big album big statement albums that came out that year and you kind of yeah. there's a lot of them you kind of forget about but um I'll do the same thing as you I'll drop a few names so obviously you had okay computer but you also had the verbs the verbs urban hymns not very trendy now but at the time, you know, swept all before it. You've got uh, "Fat of the Land" by Prodigy. Um, again, it was such it was like the the yin to um, you know the Britpop Yang of nineteen ninety seven. That I always thought that mm-hmm. was genius. Chemical Brothers and Daft Punk. There was a lot of great uh, dance music coming out at that point. Um, you had uh, "Ladies and Gentlemen Were Floating in Space" by your beloved Spiritualized. Mm. Masterpiece. Yeah, a great Bjork album as well. Homogenic. Um, yeah. there was some Elliot Smith you mentioned Elliot Smith as well um, and uh, my favourite uh, Nick Cave album Boatman's Call came out that year uh, and the best Bob Dylan record that he made in ages which was Time Out of Mind a classic classic Dylan record yeah. the only one he made basically from the 80s onwards that would really match up with his 60s and 70s output in my humble opinion Um and uh, there was a lot of shite came out that year as well, like Big Willie style by Will Smith, <laughs> Space World by the Spice yeah. Girls, and so on. But um, yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna finish off my argument for 1997 by maybe arguing 1997's most controversial record. Right. So I was in uh, I was in a queue outside Tower Records in Glasgow, um, 
waiting for the shop to open so I could go in and buy my copy of Oasis's album Be Here Now. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw Be Here Now trending on Twitter yesterday, actually, um, because it was like the whatever anniversary, 25th anniversary of its release yesterday. And whilst I'm no longer a big Oasis fan, Be Here Now is a much maligned third record. But actually, I listened to it about two or three years ago, and I thought that is basically what they were always trying to do. Like, it's a sort of, there's no no subtlety to it. It's just straightforward anthems and swagger and, and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, not super fashionable, but 1997 for me is an, un, an unbeatable year of music, I think. Oh, it's a good show. It's a good show. I mean, yeah, certainly a lot of those records that you mentioned, um, especially uh, Specialized with Bjork and OK Computer, you know, yeah, that's that's a, that's a great trio, that. But um, no, I, I can't agree with Be Here Now, though, I'm afraid. <laughs> thought you might say that. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, didn't pay me to listen to that all the way through. <laughs> but, uh, you yeah. don't have to. You're all right. It's okay. We can we can move on from it. Um, why don't we listen to something? What should we listen to? Should we listen to something from... Uh, from 1997 what should we listen to uh, I have a suggestion actually if you're alright with this um, I think I would quite like to listen to Around the World by Daft Punk go for it I'll play sure.
right, guys. So obviously that's the mighty, mighty Daft Punk there. Um, and uh, yeah, so now what we'd like to do is we'd like to take a minute and review uh, one of the tracks this year that Andrew thought was was very, very special. Uh, and I agree with him. Um, and it was also probably the first track that we really had difficulty pronouncing the artist's name. Would that be true? <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair, yeah. So, yeah, probably a bad mistake to bring it back in again <laughs> and mispronounce it all over again. But, uh, there we go. Yeah, so it's, um, what is it? Um, yeah, it's uh, Jake Xerxes Fussell. How is my pronunciation? Yeah, I think it's good. Xerxes, I think is Xerxes. right. Oh, Xerxes, Xerxes, yeah. Jake Xerxes Fussell. And uh, the track was Love Farewell. And uh, yeah, I mean, this was just a special track for me. And in terms of like when we reviewed it as well, I just feel like it was a example of what we can do well in the podcast and what we have the time to do in the podcast as well as just to try and, you know, really kind of think about the story behind the song and yeah, just kind of break it apart and find some of the the, the kind of, yeah, just that kind of hidden uh, details and trivia behind it. Yeah, this and is it, one. It, I think it just makes it, you know, in doing that, it can make it um, more rewarding to listen to as well. Yes, and uh, I would say this is definitely, um, I don't know if it was the first time, it probably wasn't the first time, but it was definitely a memorable time for me of where you said some stuff about a track and I was just like, whoa, I didn't realise like any of that. So you started talking about how um this you know some of the songs have been used on Sharp, you know, the the, the TV show. Um and uh yeah that just that just blew my mind at the time. So it's a good example of how uh, you, you've kind of said it, but I want to put more emphasis on your impact on how your contextualization of the track um can actually bring a lot more enjoyment from me. I feel like in a way like I'm I'm the podcast's first listener in a way. Um because like you, you're you like do the research and the selecting of the tracks, and then I'm hearing them first. Um, so I'm kind of like reacting to them, whereas you've kind of like picked them, and I think that's an important definition. And your contextualization of the tracks, I think, helps everyone who listens to the podcast no more so than on this Jake Xerxes for sale track. Um, which is just, I mean, it's a bloody lovely, it's a lovely thing, isn't it? It's just so sweet to listen to. It is, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It just never fails to kind of mellow me out and just move me as well. I just think it's it's really, just really classily done. Yeah. Um, everything's just very kind of muted and everything's just exactly where it needs to be. I think I said in the original episode that he's a very kind of humanist artist, Jake, and he's really good at taking these tracks that are out of copyright that are maybe linked to a very specific time period and twisting them to make them a little bit more uh, universal and a little bit more timeless and really bring out these human stories in the songs. Yeah, um, definitely so. very emotive. And like, I, I like, this is one of the tracks as well that this year I've listened to a lot and it's, um, you know, it stuck with me. I listened to it recently and it's still something just about someone saying to my love farewell is just, it's just emotive really, isn't it? It's very sparsely recorded. There's not a huge amount to it musically um but everything that's there is to quote radiohead uh, everything's in its right place so um i love this one as well great don't have to put the great
Come fire land, let's be marching First for France, then for Holland Cannons roar, colors flying All my love, there's no denying Ring farewell to my love farewell We're all marching around very well My love, you know I love you. Nothing on this earth that'll love like I love you. Over and over, ten times over. Drink up the liquor, boys. Turn the glasses over. Bring farewell to my love. Farewell. We're all marching around very well. And they're on for marching. Everyone is true love searching. Cannons roar, drums are beating. Oh, my love, there's no retreating. Ring farewell to my love farewell. We're all marching around very well. Ring farewell to my love farewell. We're all marching around very well. A ring farewell to my love farewell. We're all marching around very well. Hi, Ian and Andrew. Well done in reaching 50 episodes of the podcast, and I hope it keeps going for another 50. I have a question for Ian. Ian, out of all of the new artists that Andrew's recommended who you hadn't been familiar with before, are there any that you've now become a mega fan of? That maybe you've bought several of their albums or streamed their albums, maybe even gone to see live? Okay, so that question comes courtesy of uh, my colleague and buddy Matthew Keeley uh, and your former colleague as well, Andrew. Yes, hello Matthew. Hello Matthew, um, author and all-round lovely chap. Um, so uh, that question's for me, Andrew. 
Um, so I'm going to answer it now. Uh, I actually thought of an answer to this question, but it's not it's not a simple answer, actually. Because I, th- I heard the question, I thought, is there one artist that I've really like latched onto as a result of your suggestions? Um, and the, the answer is kind of no, not really. But I think it's for a couple of good Oh, reasons. I failed. I failed. No, you haven't. You haven't. I'll explain, <laughs> I'll explain why. I'll explain why. So two, two things, right, is one, um, my exposure to Zamrock this year and African music generally um, has been a big has been a big thing for me. It was like I didn't I didn't not want to listen to African music. I just I just didn't, and I didn't even I wouldn't have even known where to start, even if I had an inkling to do that. So listening to some of the class African music, so from like Star Feminine Band last week, uh, all the way back to Ndu Mokhtar, and there's probably stuff before that as well. There was the lad with the tape on his drums. What was his name again? Can he mind? Um, that that was all like uh phenomenal stuff. Oh, Ganora um, sounds was it? Ganora sounds, yeah, that was magic. Um, so not a specific artist, but the the genre uh, or or the the style of African rock music, I've I've loved listening to that. But actually, what's happened to me this year, and I think lots of people are saying this when we listen to our wee voice notes and stuff, we're hearing this uh, more and more, is that doing this podcast has forced me to listen to lots and lots of new music and kind of taking me out of my comfort zone. So, you know, I'm not listening. I, I probably don't listen to as much new music as you do. In fact, I practically guarantee it. But the the five or six tracks that we cover on the podcast every week, I do listen to quite intensely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about them quite a lot. And, I you know, have I try and think of something musical to say about them. Um, I try and give my honest opinion about it. Sometimes I love them. Sometimes I don't love them, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So although there's not a single artist that I would say, right, I'm now a, a devotee of this person, but that's actually because all of the new music, it, it kind of takes a lot of my attention every week. And um, I, I devote, a, you know, a, a good chunk of time to listening and thinking about the tracks. So that's my answer is no, not really, but for good reason, I think. <laughs> no, I'll take that. I'll take that. Does that make sense? It yeah. does. It does. I mean, I find it as well sometimes like, um, listening to new music and listening for the podcast as well. You, you're you're kind of nearly always chasing the next thing, you know, the next high almost. You're yeah, f- trying to find the next track that that, that, you, that you maybe don't always stop and just actually listen, you know, or give as much time as you should to the things that you've already found, you know. Um, but it's just the nature of it. But I think I think you do you do find things that you. That you gravitate back towards that 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 do stand out to you and mean more to you than some of the other stuff that maybe we listen to on the podcast. But yeah, but I mean, I'm very proud when we when we look at the you know the Spotify playlist that we've got, um, and just seeing just just the the breadth of of stuff that we've covered over the year has just been incredible. So I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Okay. So to put a bit of a full stop on the question there, I'm gonna. I'm going to play something that ha- that I just loved, and I ju- I, it just epitomizes to me, um, like what doing this podcast is about. It's not it's not my track of the year, but I do love this one. So I'm going to play a little bit of Yagana by Pigeon. <laughs> Smash.
gonna say 50 episodes who would have thought it um guys well done on your podcast i have thoroughly enjoyed every single episode um it's been just a blast um learning about new music new bands i've never heard of and um, some of them have just become stalwarts things i listen to all the time now and really enjoy the chat that you guys bring to the tracks a little bit of analysis a little bit of fun um, it's a great balance and yeah uh, uh, long may it continue well done happy 50th well there we go that was uh, nathan our lovely uh, podcast supporter yeah i mean more than more than maybe anybody uh we get we get um messages from nathan every week uh just enthusing about what he's heard so yeah it's been lovely getting messages from him every week yeah mr mr nathan hoyle is like the nicest kindest <laughs> gentlest person like he's he's so lovely and um a very very talented musician in his own right and uh he actually um he performs in an abba tribute band amongst other things that he does um and uh he plays piano and i believe at the weekend there he was doing a gig where no other members of the abba tribute band were available like no none of the other regular members so it was him plus three stand-ins and they played a gig and it went great uh, according to him today so uh, i don't i'm actually not really sure how he did that but thanks for the lovely message nation well, nathan and all your support the Abba B team. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think he called them Nathan and the deputies. I think that's what he referred to. It as. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, we've got next question. So we've got another question from a listener, Matthew Bridges. Um, and the question is, thank you, Matthew, for your question. The hey, question Matthew. is, what what artists passed the five album test in your eyes? Oof, I'm going to so, leave this one all to you. That is, a, that is an Andrew question, if I've ever heard one. Right. So I think what Matthew means by that is uh, artists that have a run of five consecutive albums that are all killer, no filler. Okay. Um, I think that's what he's he's asking here. Um, so how do we think about this? So I mean, uh, the Beatles is the kind of obvious one. So um, depending on your preference or whether you think the Magical Mystery Tour is a real album, you could maybe have Rubber Soul Revolver, Sergeant Pepper, Magic Mystery Tour, the White Album. That's a pretty good one. That's quite good, actually. <laughs> pretty good. That is um, good. If you didn't want to include uh, Magical Mystery Tour, you could have, you know, you could have Help or you could have Abbey Road, the other side of that. But Yeah. So it's pretty good. Uh, personally, um, personally, the, the first six Birds albums, I think, are all pretty amazing. Yep. Um, and then into the 70s, you've got Tom Waits. Um, I think, you know, his kind of late 70s into the 80s, this kind of, um, that kind of uh, junkyard trilogy, as I call them, the Swordfish Trombones, Rain Dogs, Frank's Wild Years, uh, kind of ending the, the, the run with Blue Valentine and Heart Attack and Vine. That's a pretty good one. Uh, Steely Dan, their first six records, um, and maybe Kate Bush as well in the eighties. Lovely. Um, I do have maybe, one. I do have one. Oh, sorry. No, no. On you go. On you go. On you go. But I think maybe my favourite of the of the lot is uh, Stevie Wonder's run in the seventies. So, Music of My Mind, Talking Book, Inner Visions, fulfilling this 
is final finale and songs in the key of life. That's just a just a sublime, no bad, uh, sublime run of music. Not bad. Well, the only suggestion I actually have, um, and this this does speak to my personal musical preference, would be Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I think of Zeppelin one, two, three, four. And Houses of the Holy would be a five a five album trick that I think is pretty hard to beat. Houses of the Holy is, I think, quite an underrated Zep record. I mm-hmm. really, really like it. There's a couple of tracks on there that, like, Over the Hills and Far Away that I really, really, really like. And uh, the album that followed it as well, Physical Graffiti, uh, the double record with uh, Cashmere and so on on it. Oh, um, I mean, so if they just, like, stopped after those six records, I mean, that's that's a pretty, pretty stonking run. And because uh, Zep records were relatively short um, in, in terms of number of tracks and stuff, it's a pretty pretty much all killer and very very little filler across those across those six records. I would say. No, I would. I, I would agree. I mean, I, I mean, the, the tracks are long, but those records are lean. They're, they're very they're very constructed and very well thought through. And yeah, as you say, there's there's not there's not much in the cutting room floor with with Led Zeppelin. Nah. Um. Uh. Just to give a shout out to maybe a few more recent artists. So I think an Outcast. They've got a first five records. Uh. Kendrick. You know he's got a, he's got a pretty outstanding five. I've only five album to that he's on. Good Kid, Mad City, Onwards. What's what's before that? Is it a good record before that? Well, I was I was I was uh, including Untitled Unmastered. So that was the kind of uh, Pimper Butterfly kind of leftovers, but it makes a really fine standalone album, I would say. So, Good Kid Mad City, Pimper Butterfly, Untitled Unmastered, Damn, and then Mr. Morales from this year. And the Black I mean, Panther soundtrack as well. Don't disagree. Yeah, that. absolutely. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty strong run, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and then the National as well. There's quite a few national fans that listen to the podcast. They've had a, they've been on a great run as well. So, yeah, I think there are quite a few bands that. That would kind of hit that criteria. Cool. And it's a really good question. So cheers, Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. That's inspired a a good debate there, right? So um, I think that leads us into maybe me talking then about my uh, song of the series so far. Um, uh, Does it? Yeah, I think it does. That makes sense, doesn't it? Um, So uh, the song that I've picked and the artist I've picked is um, Valentine by Snail Mail. Um, and the funny thing about this track is, right, for me anyway, is that it's so good, right? I actually don't even want to listen to any other snail mail music. Does that even make sense? <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I don't know what you mean. I yeah, just, just like this so much. Like I just encapsulates I, I, everything that's that's good about them and yeah. don't really need anything else. No, I like the record. I listened to the rest of the record after we after we did that podcast a few months ago. And um the, the track as well, I guess, is kind of important for uh podcasting reasons as well, because we did a giveaway um of the record and uh, my lovely pal Louise won by naming the section the vinyl word. Um she was right on it, man. She was like instant as soon as we put the podcast out, she was like uh, texting a suggestion. So that was that was real nice. Um, uh, but I just love this track. I think it's I think it's just a pure, like sugary pop um thing. But it's also got a twist of like so slightly sort of obsessive love lyrics going on as well. Um, and uh, I love how it's recorded. Love her voice. Great track. I called it genius at the time, and I I probably stick by that now. It's a winner. 
That's a winner. Shall we, shall we listen to it? Let's do it. Let's go below Where no one can see us, honey in that room Those parasitic cameras, don't they stop to stare at you Can't love for us both You've gotta live and I gotta go many musicians and stars over the years if you could go back and save one who would it be and why okay now this is a this is a fantastic very you know intuitive very well thought out <laughs> really wonderful question here um from my father-in-law yeah <laughs> <laughs> Not only did he give you your lovely uh, mother of your child, darling wife, but he also gave us that lovely question. There we go. Indeed, absolutely. And um, yeah, I think it's interesting that the, the, the uh, so that's uh, Stephen Barton, 
So thank you, Stephen, for your question. Cheers, Stephen. Um, and yeah, the wording I thought was interesting. So the artist you'd save. So it's that kind of idea that, you know, if you could go back in time and actually kind of rescue them from them, themselves, maybe, or from from the from from the kind of circumstances of their death as well. Um so so that was that was kind of the way that I was thinking about this question. It was like almost like people that were taken well before their time almost. Um I don't know how how did you how did you how did you kind of view that question? Well I celebrated that question by pouring another vodka. So I don't know if that was a great start to be honest. Um, I mean the, the, the classic thing is to maybe just look straight at the 27 club. You know, all those famous yeah. artists who died at the age of 27. And there's like, so, so many, like starting with Robert Johnson, unbelievably, the king of the Delta Blues, all the way through to like more modern ones like uh, Amy Winehouse. Um, but uh, it, yeah, I, I agree with you. That, to me, the interesting part of the question is who could you who could you intervene with um, yeah. and who could you kind of help? And um, I don't know. Actually, yeah. I don't know. I said. Um, so I mean, I was, there's, sorry, because I mean, there's a lot with the, the twenty-seven club. It's like if you were to intervene, you'd maybe be kind of. I don't know if 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 you were to kind of put them on the straight and narrow, is that kind of taken away? You know, part of maybe what made them so. That's who they were. So special or or different or great, you know. Yeah, I should shout um, out as well. We're, we're talking about Brian Jones. We're talking about Kurt Cobain. We're talking about Jimi Hendrix. We're talking about Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin. And and unfortunately, yeah. so on. Yeah, this goes on. Yeah, um, the the artists that I was kind of thinking about were the artists that kind of maybe had so much ahead of them. Uh, you know, um, I'm thinking of somebody like Sam Cooke when yeah. when, he, when when he lost his life in the mid sixties. You know, he he just released um, a change is going to come, which is just a kind of mon- this monumental track. And you're just kind of thinking, what could he have achieved if he'd if he'd uh, continued to make music, you know, I think he would have been making those kind of what's going on style statements, you know, as the sixties turned into the seventies, I think he would have been one of those artists, you know? Um, so that kind of really kind of breaks my heart when I think about what he could have achieved. Um, you know, Jeff Buckley as well. I know we're big Jeff Buckley fans on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, him, him having that tragic accident at the age of 30, you know, what could yeah, he have achieved? Yeah. You know, because in a way, um, and, Jeff only released one one record. In a way, I mean, there are, there are other things, but they're a bit piecemeal. So, really, Grace is his only real full length album statement. Yeah, um, and it's it's it just points to someone who is just um, physically talented, like vocally talented, talented on the guitar, but also a, a sort of burgeoning songwriter. There there are great things in there that you know that that feel a little bit. Was it 1995 was released? Feel very mid-90s anyway. So you just mm-hmm. wonder, you know, when he heard OK Computer, what would he have done in response kind of thing? So. No, absolutely, yeah. Uh, there's, there's an episode of Doctor Who called Vincent and the Doctor as well, where he, where the Doctor uh, takes Vincent back off in, into the future. And he, oh, I remember that ta- one, yeah. He takes him to like an art gallery and he, he shows him, you know, how his art is now being appreciated and how he's considered one of the greatest painters ever and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um I I I like the idea of maybe taking Nick Drake into the future and, and now letting him see now, you know, the kind of influence that he's had and, and how his records are cherished. Because I think he was, you know, a real kind of troubled soul who really struggled with depression. I think he was a kind of strange mixture of cripplingly shy and 
uh, having this really kind of strong self-confidence about him as well that kind of he was kind of like baffled that he wasn't bigger than he was you know yeah uh, but i like the idea of maybe saving him and showing him you know how he how he's valued now because i mean there's probably there's there's probably fewer artists that are kind of cooler and and more kind of revered than that great now yes yeah, yeah pink moon etc um i'll just i'll just shout out too quickly really um one is John Lennon, which I know is a, like a sort of uh, kind of like the obvious one in a way. He's like the biggest, one of the biggest rock stars in the world ever. So, but the the, the way that he died to me, um, where it was, you know, cruel, murderous, senseless. Um, if I could have in, intervened and stopped that from happening somehow, um, then I'd, I would have loved to have done that. And when I see how like Maca headlined Glastonbury, a few a few months ago and I just think what if John was there you know yeah. what if the two of them had done it <laughs> you know what would that have been yeah. like what if they um, go back together at Live Aid yeah, and that kind of thing, uh, yeah. and if, if George was still alive as well so so John and uh, but my definite my, my absolute final answer on this would be Amy Winehouse um, I, I said on the podcast that I, I selected the vinyl word um, with Amy Winehouse before Christmas when we were doing your albums of the year rundown and um, I just think, like, she she was an artist to me who was, you know, you could almost reach out and touch her at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, she was she was really close by, and she was a British artist. Um, and I loved her music at the time. I thought she was super cool. And I just sort of remembered reading about her in the papers and 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 in the sort of beginning of social media and stuff. And you could just see from when she was about 24, 25, you could see where it was going. Um, and I just think we've been robbed of a, a pretty unique musical talent, but also a really unique personality as well. So pretty sad about that one. I cried the day she died. I really, I openly wept because I just thought, what a waste. Um, you know, she shouldn't have, she shouldn't have died then. She should have been here uh, much longer. So, right. I'm feeling like, Andrew, what's happened there is that, that really good question has led us to talk about some pretty, like, some pretty deep stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was gonna just I was gonna just play another question immediately afterwards, and maybe we could deal with this one. If that's all right with you, go for it. This has a different tone. Uh, hi there, guys. Uh, so, as a music fan, uh, there's something I'm always curious to hear other music fans' opinions about. And it regards the Spice Girls "Say You'll Be There" music video. Uh, in the video, the girls are imbued with literal girl power in the form of magical weapons that they used to kidnap a handsome man. <laughs> um, I put it to you, which of the Spice Girls in this music video is the most powerful? Who's the most dangerous? Thank you. Right. Who is that, Andrew? Come on. That's the bold Alex Dallas, uh, <laughs> a good friend of mine. And it's an excellent question. Um, it is. It's light. It's certainly light-hearted. Now, what that forced me to do today was watch the "Say You'll Be There" music video that I haven't seen since whenever it came <laughs> out, whatever year that was. Um, so uh, I don't want to get in the way of your answer. Uh, what is your answer? Okay, I've got a kind of three-pronged answer to this. Of course you do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and if I'm thinking about most powerful, so I think in terms of the alter egos. So uh, so they all kind of adopted alter egos for this video. So you've got 
Uh, Mel C is Katrina Hike. Oh, you bastard. I wrote this down as well. I was hoping I was going to impress you with this. On you go. Go on. Sorry. You've got Jerry, <laughs> who's a firecracker. You've got Emma, who's Kung Fu Candy. Oh, my God. Victoria, who's Midnight Masuki. <laughs> and then you've got Mel B, who's Blazing Bad Zula. Blazing Bad Zula. So I would say in terms of the alter egos, who is the most powerful and badass, it's got to be Blazing Bad Zula, I would say. Okay? So that's the alter egos taken care of. In terms of the weapons, I would say there's not really any contest for this. So Mel C's ray gun is going to obliterate anything that's in its path. Yeah. So that's definitely the most powerful. Uh, but personally... Um, I was quite taken with Trixie Firecracker when I was a when I was a ten year old, and it's kind of set me off on a path of admiring feisty redheads, um, and that's ultimately me uh, being with my wife. So, so I'd say definitely, undoubtedly, for me, the most powerful and the most dangerous is Trixie Firecracker because of that. <laughs> you gave that. You gave that the full beans. I'm not even <laughs> going to try. I'm just going to say that when I watched that music video today for the first time in 20 years, I was uh, blown away by how shit the CGI was. In it. <laughs> so bad. It's like somebody throwing like a silver frisbee and uh, with with jaggy bits on it. Um, uh, so I'll just say, I'll just say, Kung Fu Candy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So that's helped us out because we were in it. We were in a sad place there, and now we're no longer in said sad place. So that's good. Um, oh, unfortunately now uh, the schedule does suggest that we play Say You'll Be There by Spice Girls, so let's just do it. Yes. <laughs> Montrexy and Big Jody. <laughs> Does 
discovered on my own and also to Scottish stuff that I wasn't familiar with. And so I've now got a big list of artists that I need to investigate further. And I also ended up going to see Fergus McCready off the back of your interview with him. And that was excellent. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right. So that's my lovely pal and bandmate, Sam Clark, who is another another just lovely person, just like the sweetest person. Um, I should introduce him to Nathan and just let them batter each other to see who's the nicest person. <laughs> um, and uh, Sam is like the 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 loveliest piano player like the 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 best the absolute best so thank you so much for sending that that in sam um andrew do we have time for a quick sam anecdote is that all right oh, oh please yeah absolutely um so uh back in 2015 um deadline shakes were playing uh st luke's in glasgow big venue in glasgow and we were playing um our sort of big party for the release of our first album zealots and um the way we were set up, we were actually a seven piece at the time. We had lots of extra members and stuff. And um, the way we were set up, I was on the, uh, I was on stage right, audience left of the stage, um, looking sharp, had a, a crushed velvet jacket on or whatever it was doing at the time. Don't know. Right. And and uh, Sam was just to my right. Um, and he was uh, playing obviously piano <laughs> behind me. And we were about a couple, we were like two or three songs in. And I was, I was having it, man. I was like, this is probably the biggest show I'd played, maybe the most important. Um, I knew we were tight. We practiced a lot and everything. I was really, really enjoying it. Um, I was into it, hit my guitar solos and so on. And I turned around to look at Sam to just give him the wee nod, just to say, this is cool in it. And he leaned over and he said to me, Ian. And I was like, yeah. He's like, you're really, really shaking the piano. <laughs> <laughs> you're really shaking the piano it's it's really hard to play can you can you not do that and i'm sorry sam i said yes i'll stop shaking the piano i did not stop shaking the piano i do apologize um it probably made the gig impossible for you but never mind <laughs> <laughs> you were just getting excited i couldn't help it couldn't help it, couldn't help it. <laughs> um right so where, where are we at next a written question who have we got uh, yes, uh, we've got a question from Trish uh, from Alberta, Canada. Hello, Trish. Um, she's asking if we could maybe talk about a, a time when we've been record shopping and discovering a record that that meant a lot to us at the time or has maybe gone on to mean a lot to us personally. Okay, okay. now I feel like in terms of specifically vinyl record shopping, you've done way more of that than me so i'm going to extend it to just like buying albums as well so like buying stuff on cd as well uh -huh. because otherwise yep. otherwise i have very little to say <laughs> in comparison um have you got an answer to this you got a good a good shout um the way i kind of went with this question was i mean for years i i was a big cd buyer as well um and then when i decided that i was going to start buying vinyl when i got a record player so that was just at the start of 2013 so i mean relatively recently just in the last 10 years but i mean i think a lot of people's first impulse when they get a record player is to kind of buy their favorite records again you know yeah. they, they, they they get the things that mean the most to them um and I've did, i did a little bit of that but for me it was about kind of being able to broaden it out to things that i wasn't able to get on cd Suddenly, you know, suddenly, just the world just got got a bit, a bit bigger for me. Yeah. 
mm. in terms of, of going into a record shop and just being able to to play um, things that I maybe heard about, but I'd never been able to get on CD before. And the first time that I remember doing that, I remember just getting my record player, going into a record shop and discovering uh, two records uh, from the early 70s by a guy called Swamp Dog um, that, I'd, that I'd kind of read about. And you could get them as part of a CD series that were kind of combining a lot of the albums together, but they were very expensive, quite difficult to get. And now suddenly I could buy the individual albums on vinyl. And um, I just love love these records. So Total Destruction to Your Mind um, was, was, his, uh, was the first one. And then there's one called Rat On, which depending on uh, your taste has got Either the greatest or the worst album cover of all time. <laughs> so, so it's got it's got Swamp Dog riding a giant rat on the cover, and right. it just says "Rat on" on it. Um, but these are just beautiful records, um, recorded as I say in the early seventies at Muscle Shoals, and it's just a kind of combination of like gospel, soul, psychedelic rock, um, and I just love these records, and they still mean a lot to me today. So yeah, so I think in terms of like. Just as I say, just and, and the sleeves as well. Just having the bigger sleeves, you know, that giant rat's even more bite, even more giant on a on a twelve inch record, you know. <laughs> um, so I love that. Uh, and the sleeve notes as well. So there's a brilliant sleeve note on Total Destruction to Your Mind that says, uh-huh. it "says um, I owe I owe all of my present success to a very dear person, someone who stuck by me when things were really bad, and is." never made a motion to harm me or my talents in any way. A person who I love, worship, worship and admire beyond any shadow of a doubt. Me! <laughs> <laughs> and that, that on the, the back sleeve is just brilliant on, on the vinyl. He should have done a podcast. So, <laughs> oh, he's quite a character. Yeah, and he's, yeah. Still, he's still making weird records. Now, he's, he made a few records with Bonnie there in recent years, uh, like uh, utilising auto-tune and stuff like that. So, yeah, he's a real kind of maverick guy. Um, so yeah, so they would be they would be my choices. Cool. I'm going to attempt to do something strange here. I'm going to try and weave a few segments together, right? Just stick with me, folks. Right? I'll see if I can manage it. Right? Um, so my answer to Tish's question is twofold. The first one I would say was I used to buy Q magazine pretty religiously uh, around about the year ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, that sort of time. And quite often, what I do is I wouldn't necessarily make discoveries in the record shop. I'd make discoveries in the journalism first. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously there'd be things I'd be looking forward to. So I was hyped up for Kid A. I didn't need to read the reviews for that. I was I was ready for that. But um, it was reading Q magazine where I read the review of the Queens of the Stone Age record uh, rated R. And uh, it was that they were a big interview segment, that, ep- that um, issue as well. So very, very distinctly, Virgin Megastore in Glasgow going in, picking up Rated R by Queens of the Stone Age. I remember getting the train home, looking at the sleeve. I remember going home, putting the CD in. Hadn't heard a note of this yet. No idea what this was going to sound like. Closed the lid. Feel good hit of the summer, followed by Lost Art of Keeping a Secret, followed by Leg of Lamb. A one, two, three smash of like fuzzy, psych, rock, metal, shouting about drugs, all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, whoa this is like this is incredible stuff so yeah for me that was a that was a big uh that was a big feel-good hit of that particular summer sorry for the pun 
my my second answer is a, is a cheesy one. Um, so when we released our record Zealots in 2015, it, the CD was briefly in Avalanche Records in uh, next to Queen Street train station. Um, so I do remember stepping in there one day and sort of flipping through the other D's, you know, um, and being like, oh, you know, the blah, blah, blah. oh, Deadline Shakes, there we are. That was a pretty special, uh, a pretty special one for me. Um, so what I'm going to try and do now, Andrew, is segue very cleverly and very smoothly into talking about a song that I really wish everyone could hear, if that's all mm-hmm. right with you. Yeah. Um, and it is linked to having my record in a in a shop as well, actually. Um, so um, I'm going to take you back to, I think, 2006, I think. Um, and one of my great uh, regrets about this podcast is that we haven't got um, Michael from We Are The Physics, who's a great hero and erstwhile internet chum of mine, um, on the podcast for an interview. We had him, we had him scheduled and then I had, some, I had a thing and we couldn't do it. And I really want to get him on at some point in the future because the band We Are The Physics, more than really, in a way more than any other, inspired me to make my own music. Um, and I say inspired me to make music very specifically because I loved music and I loved playing the guitar and I was already in bands. But when I went to see, when I was in um, the Buff Club that night and I'd, I'd actually played an acoustic show with my pal Greg earlier in the evening and we were just looking to go to the club and we stumbled in and lo and behold, we are the physics are playing and we sort of knew a little bit about who they were um, and they blew us away. Like we just, we thought, how can these guys, how are these guys not mega famous? They're unbelievable. They've got this cool, quirky look. They're fun to watch. The songs are catchy. How, why Why are they not like world famous? It didn't make sense at the time. Um, and so uh, one of the things I'd like us to get sorted in the podcast in the future, if we can manage it, if we can schedule it, is to get Michael from We Are The Physics. I've got 10 anecdotes about that, like that, uh, to tell him. So I want, I want to. Um, so the track that I've picked um, to listen to is uh, You Can Do Athletics, by the way. Um, from We Are The Physics' first, <laughs> uh, first album in 2008, which is We Are The Physics Are Okay At Music. Glasgow band, you may not have heard of them, but you are about to get like an absolute sugar rush of like fast pop punk. It's catchy, it's funny, it's witty. Here it comes. I see the 
happy 50th episode. My question is, how does the culture of an area reflect the music it produces? Well, Andrew, who was that? That was my lovely wife, Kirsty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was like, keep it light, Kirsty, keep it light. And she's asked us about culture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, a question that kind of, uh, you know, you could write books about, I guess. I don't know. Well, um, you, you could maybe write books about. I feel like I'm a little <laughs> bit out of my depth, but I'll do my best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe the. Maybe best to kind of think about you know off the back of we are the physics you know that kind of idea of like maybe talking about Glasgow culture yeah um and and how that kind of uh, reflects music and music reflects culture um yeah um, well, I, I was I, gonna I was gonna talk sorry. about Manchester if that's useful um okay uh, I mean you you know Manchester fairly well yourself I would say mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, absolutely. Uh, and I uh, I visited Manchester recently, and it made me kind of think about all the great Manchester like indie music of the sort of eighties and nineties. Um, I mean, I guess it's pointless on a music podcast listing them, but you know, The Smiths, you know, Your New Order, Your Stone Roses, etc., et Oasis, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, the uh, that 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 music somehow to me feels like even The Smith, even though The Smiths and Oasis are stylistically very different. There is something that connects that music together, some sort of showmanship and swagger, um, and a sort of uh, there is a, at times a kind of a, a embracing of a grimness of life, mm-hmm. um, but also a kind of trying to put on a show and seeing a different side of it. I think is very present in lots of Manchester music. So I don't actually know the answer to Kirsty's question, but I know that there is stuff that connects. Musical culture in geographical places. Yes, no, totally. Yeah. I think about someone like Sheffield as well. You know, you've got like Pulp and Jarvis, you know, Jarvis Cocker, Richard Hawley, the Arctic Monkeys. There's yeah. that kind of industrial feel to it, but also a real kind of wry observational humour. Yeah, poetry to it. Yeah, uh, poetry to it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely something in that. I, I was thinking about Glasgow and I was thinking about the kind of you know they've got they've got a real kind of affinity for a lot of those kind of American sunshine pop groups like like the Birds, you know, but mm. things sort of like Teenage Fan Club. But you can't help but get that kind of that kind of melancholy, that kind of the kind of dreariness, the dreekness of it of Glasgow kind of comes yeah. through in the Jesus music. Jesus and Mary Chain. Yep, absolutely. Um, those kind of like showers of reverb that that, that come with them, um, as well as the kind of like, you know thinking about the club culture in Glasgow. Um, it's just such a big part of the city, as well as the the kind of folk tradition as well that, that's continuing through um, Celtic connections and things like that. So that kind of storytelling quality that come that comes through like Billy Connolly and Jerry Lafferty and that kind of thing that's still kind of continuing to this day. And Glasgow so, I mean, can this... can do big mainstream pop as well, like um, Charlene Spiteri and Paolo Natini and so on. Like they're like not not so much Charlene now, but I mean obviously like in, in the early two thousands, like. Um, that she was doing big business, and Paolo Natini just now is like, you know, he's toured with the Stones and and plays arenas and and so on and so on. So we're, yeah, it's Glasgow's a very diverse musical place. I would say you've got Celtic connections, um, you've got like uh, the Cat House, you know, and and everything in between. So I don't know the answer to Kirsty's question, but it's a bloody interesting question. It's a good question. That is. It's like uh, she's asked like dead hard sums for music podcasters. So that's basically what that is. I think. 
Yeah, she's just made life difficult for us. Is what she's done. <laughs> but but thank you, darling, for that. <laughs> uh, what should we listen to on the back of that? Have you got a suggestion of something we could follow that up with? How about Sparky's dream? That's always a good idea. Oh, everyone loves Sparky's dream. Perfect. Gregor here. Uh, congratulations to you and Andrew and the success of We Heard Wonders and your first birthday and 50 episodes. Um, fabulous achievement. Uh, you guys have done fabulous in getting this off and running and uh, sticking with it and the product getting better and better with each one. Fantastic. You deserve it. Enjoy your night. 
Okay, so that is my partner's father, Gregor. So thanks so much for sending in that voice note, Gregor. And Gregor said something really interesting there, Andrew. Um, he said, and I'm not sure, you can tell me whether you agree with this or not. Feel free to be honest here. He said that the, the, the podcast is getting better and better as time goes on. Do you feel that's true? <laughs> it's very nice of him to say. Thank you, Gregor, for that. I like that. It's a product. I like that. Yeah. I like the, but um, but yeah, no, I like to think so. I like to think we're getting better at it. I definitely feel more comfortable doing it yeah. than I did in the first few episodes. So yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. Just I, really feel quite, doing it. I feel quite assured at the um, the talking bit now. Like I don't, uh, I, I don't know who I'm talking to when I'm talking because I, I mean, most of the time now we're on Zoom. We've been on Zoom for ages now. So I'm actually not really speaking to anyone. Like, there's nobody here, really. Yeah. Um, I'm speaking to a, 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 a screen. And, of course, we have our video off, so the bandwidth stays good. So um, I'm most of the time kind of... It's weird. I'm kind of talking to myself, in a way. But obviously not, because I'm, I'm talking to you. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with that method of doing things. Um, and I think my editing skills have improved over time. Um because uh, it's not something I was, I would, I mean, I definitely wouldn't consider myself an expert at it even now, but um, that's something I've probably improved over time. Uh, yeah, I think the podcast is getting better. I think it is. I like to think so, absolutely. And um, yeah, hopefully just continue to get better and better. That's all or we maybe, can aim for. Maybe we've peaked. <laughs> <laughs> 15 mediocre episodes from here out on out. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> probably not, probably not, probably not. Um, okay, I think what I'm going to do now, um, this is definitely loosey-goosey at this point because we had a system and the system's <laughs> freeing at the seams now. I think what I'm going to do now is we're going to listen to a voice note from my lovely partner Zoe, who's also sent us in uh, a, nice, a nice comment. So I'm going to play that for us now. Here we go. Hello, I am Ian's partner Zoe um, and I am just coming on to say a quick hello um, in celebration of the year episode's 50th podcast anniversary bonanza. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I'm just coming on to say hi. Um, when Ian first told me that him and Andrew were going to be doing this podcast malarkey, I wasn't that surprised because obviously I know how interested in music Ian is and he's played music for so long and um, together we've been to so many gigs and um, frequently had a glass of wine sitting watching um, like YouTube clips of live performances of several artists and I would say we discussed at great at great lengths um, the the different performances and songs, but really I was just spoken at by Ian um, in quite in quite a lot of detail about different tracks and stuff. So so it wasn't that much of a shock when he said that he was going to do that on but 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 speak at other people. In fact, it was it was fairly welcome. Um, so yeah, I'm just uh, here to say hi and. Um, Congratulate the guys on a good job. Well done, lads. See ya. <laughs> Everyone's a bloody comedian now, eh? Jeez, oh. <laughs> Everyone's a comedian. Uh, it is a bit like that, actually. I, I am. I know that that's a, that's a family trait. I've got Andrew of, like, 
talking at people. I can't, I can't stop it. I can't help it. I can't help it. Well, I'm just glad that I've kind of carried the, the load a little bit from Zoe and, <laughs> and, and, and that you could now just talk at me instead. So. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Zoe is an absolute like uh, game changer in my life. She's made me a, a, a very happy chap, and uh, it's so nice that she and Kirsty, for that matter, give up like give us up for an evening a week whilst we <laughs> whilst we fling this thing together. No, absolutely, yeah. Love you both. Ladies. Yeah, uh, I agree. I have to say, love you too now because because you've said it, and I can't not say it now. Painted me into a corner. Um, right, so I think we've got a couple of... Do we have one written question left? Is that right? I think we've got one. We do. We've got one written question left. Uh, this is from Stee, who is uh, another dedicated listener. He asked, uh, did we ever reimburse Johnny Pittestrail for that Diet Coke? <laughs> <laughs> or those Diet Coke? Fair play, Stee, for paying such close attention to the podcast and actually for highlighting... One of the true moments of regret we both feel um, from actually doing this. No, no is the answer. We haven't, but we'd love the opportunity to do it again. I know. Um, and, and, and reimburse it. It probably comes across in the interview as well if you go back and listen to it, but he was actually the nicest guy. Like, he was so, so sweet to us. Like, um, I mean, we'd never done a podcast interview before, and he's a relatively well known artist to be just chatting to a couple of couple of lads showing up in a hotel lobby with like uh, i think i think i brought the equipment in like a marks and spencer's plastic bag as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wee bit rinky dink but um he's a, he's a sort of cottage industry type chap as well so i think he got the i think he saw the hustle yeah i think he appreciated it yeah absolutely but yeah he was very very generous with his time and his diet cokes so <laughs> always be uh, always be fond of uh, johnny love you johnny um, right, so what we've not done, and uh, you you keep forgetting about it, but I've remembered, <laughs> is that you've not told us about the song you'd like everyone to hear, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Just to clarify, I've forgotten about it about four times during the recording of this, so apologies. Yes, um, yeah, I, I, I guess when we started the podcast, you, you kind of got you got tracks and you got artists in your head of, that that you want to play. And uh, one track that I've been kind of, uh, you know, kind of dying to play, I guess, on the podcast is uh, this track um, by somebody called Marsha Hunt. Um, and the track's Oh No, Not The Beastie, uh, which is a kind of, it's kind of like a one-off track, really. I don't think it was ever on an album or anything like that, so it was just a single. But uh, Marsha Hunt's a really kind of interesting person. Like, she, she had an album out in uh, 1971 called Woman Child. And if you looked at the credits of that album, you'd be forgiven for thinking that she was the hippest, best connected person in London. Um, so she she had uh, she was she was kind of hanging out with Mark Bowen at the time. I think she used to go out with Mark Bowen. Uh, she was produced by Tony Visconti, um, and her backing band in- included Ian McLagan, Ron Wood, Kenny Jones, and Pete Townsend. Um, and That's pretty good. It's pretty good. And she was like tackling tracks by Dylan, Paul Simon, and Traffic on that record. Um, but and, and she she was in the, she cut her teeth in the the musical Hair as well, which was the big kind of sixties flower power musical. So I mean, it, she should have been just this absolutely massive pop star, but it just never quite materialised for her. 
but she did uh, do a, a series of fantastic tracks. She does an incredible version of uh, Dr. John's uh, A Walk in Gilded Splinters, um, complete with keyboards from Rick, Rick Wakeman. Wow. Um, and there's an amazing track called Hot Rod Papa as well. Uh, but the track that I've chosen is, as I say, it's Oh No, Not The Beastie, which was a few years after that. And I just, I mean, just in terms of what I love about music, this has just got it all. It's just ridiculously funky, sexy, satisfying. Just every single second of this recording is just like kind of overstuffed with information and these sonic bobbles. So it's got like mad flute sections. It's got an incredible kind of scuzzy guitar solo as well. I just think this whole track just absolutely slays. And it's just one of those tracks that I just kind of want to play to people to let them hear. So this is my opportunity. Oh, well, episode 50, let's bloody have it. Here we go.
Ian, do we have any other voice notes to play? We have one final voice note, one final question. Uh, here it comes. Let's give it a listen. Hi, guys. Loving the podcast and congratulations on making it a year. I look forward to many more to come. For this week's episode, I'd love it if you could discuss your favourite Stevie Wonder tunes. Uh, we heard Stevie Wonders, if you will. Thanks, guys. This guy knows his way around a pun. I can tell straight away. There you go. See what he's done there. Uh, yeah, so this is by uh, best mate, uh, Stephen Scrimger. Uh, thank you, Stephen, for the question. Hello, Stephen. And um, yeah, if we ever don't have the pod out on a, on a Wednesday morning, he's always telling me off. Just, where, where was it? Where was it? So um, yeah, very avid listener of the podcast as well. And a very good question. We had a rare uh, podcast release on a Thursday. Was that a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Why was that? Can't remember now. Is that an unmentionable on air reason? I can't remember. <laughs> was it a technical problem or something? I can't remember. Whatever. Was he was he annoyed about that? I'm sorry, Stephen. He was. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, that's, that's the thing. I do find myself apologising. <laughs> <laughs> but, really, but yeah. Um, yeah, and it's a very good question. So. I mean, as as I, as I kind of mentioned earlier with the, the the five album artist thing, you know, I'm a massive Stevie Wonder fan, so I feel like I'm maybe going to be doing the heavy lifting with that. You'll be doing the heavy lifting here yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's fine. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, Mister when I first got this question, just about twenty Stevie Wonder songs just kind of came into my head. Uh, a, big, a, a special one for, for me and Kirsty is uh, Signed, Sealed, Delivered because that was the one that we kind of walked back down the aisle to I didn't expect you to say that I did not expect you to say that well, okay. uh, only for that only for that reason Yeah, is, we, we thought it would be kind of a, a fitting track um, and yeah that's, that's that's what we came back down the aisle to um, but in, t- in terms of tracks that are actually my, my absolute favourites um, I've got it down to five here and one thing that I noticed is that they've pretty much all got love in the title. Oh. As well, which is quite a lovely thing, but it just shows what an amazing uh, songwriter he is about love and those kind of big emotions, I guess, that, that, that mean a lot to people. And that can, you know, that's kind of ultimately what he was kind of going for, or he has been going for with his music, that kind of idea of cosmic love, I guess, universal love, I guess. Um, so yeah, so the tracks that I wrote down immediately were I believe when I fall in love it will be forever. Mm-hmm. Um amazing track. Uh used really, really well at the end of High Fidelity as well. Um two early ones. So uh, I was made to love her, just absolute joy in a track. And I don't know why I love you, but I love you as well. It's, it's from around the similar period. Um it's a track called uh, Love Having You Around, which was uh, the first track on Music of My Mind, which was kind of introducing album Stevie, if you like, where he was kind of going long form and experimenting with Moog synthesizers and that kind of thing. And that's a really brilliant, mad track. And then uh, one of my favorite tracks from The Key Leaf is a track called Knocks Me Off. Um, it's got that 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 uh, chorus line I don't want to bore you with it but I love you I love you I love you yeah so it's just I don't, I don't know it just seemed like a kind of coincidence but but yeah all of those tracks that I just absolutely adore and just make me feel good why don't you pick one and we'll listen to it right now 
Okay, how about uh, I was made to love her? Okay, here it is. Andrew, so one of the things that um, we normally do right at the start of the episode, but on episode 50, it didn't seem totally necessary, is we normally introduce ourselves and you normally say, hi, my name is Andrew. I review music on Instagram at kidajh86. And then I normally follow that up with some like ludicrous, like over the top, uh, uh, like recommendation. <laughs> I'll sort of say like, unless you want to die you must follow Andrew on Instagram or that sort of thing. Um, unless you want to be the cause of catastrophic tsunamis across the globe, you must follow Andrew on Instagram, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but what we've completely never... completely fitting, understandable stuff. <laughs> yeah, what we've never really discussed at all, ever, is actually our personal connection with these things that we always promote every week. And I think it's probably a good idea to actually explain why we do them and what, what it's all about. So, like, could you just tell i've do you know i've never actually asked you this either so i'm kind of i'm I'm just asking because i'm interested too like when did you actually start thinking i'm going to make a week in a chronicle of the music i'm listening to and i need to find a place to do it um like did you did you go all oh, like instagram that's an obvious place to do it or did you were you doing it elsewhere first or 
talk us through that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it was, it was something that I've, I've always enjoyed doing is, uh, you know, listening to music, writing about it, talking about it. Um, I was, I, I wrote for the, my uni paper back in the day and that kind of thing. Me too. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I had a blog, um, which I think you can still see remnants of. It's um, an ocean in between the waves, it was called, um, after a, a war on drugs track. Um, blog spot. And years of kind of putting up reviews of things um you know um yeah end of end of year uh playlists and that kind of thing and uh live reviews and a few album reviews and um i had a thing called relatively recent classics so i would talk about some of these kind of formative albums kind of not not dissimilar to, to some of the stuff we've done here um and then when, when i started buying records it just kind of seemed like a, it seemed like a kind of obvious fit to maybe just take pictures of them as well and combine the two things. So I think I started on Instagram in 2014. Um, so, I mean, it, it, me writing about music has slowed down a little bit. I mean, it all kind of clicked back into gear, uh, hopefully in December when I'm doing my kind of end of year rundown. That'll be when I really kind of... Uh, you know, do do kind of long form pieces on the different albums that that I love from this year, but I mean, just just throughout the year, I don't really get the time to do it as much. Um, you know, at the moment, um, and a lot of my time does go into doing the podcast, but I, 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 will, I will be doing some more writing definitely in, uh, in November, November and December this year. But those of you that are kind of following along, uh, there's over a thousand reviews of different albums that I've done. Yeah, since 2014, if you scroll back through, um, you know, f- through my library, through, through the, what would you call it? Just, Time, just through, timeline? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, through the timeline. So uh, as I say, over a thousand records that I've kind of talked about and infused about um, at length often as well. So, uh, and, and since 2015, I've done a, a rundown every year of my kind of top, 40 or 50 or 60 albums of the year. So, I mean, there's, there's lots of stuff to be getting on with if you if you want to kind of scroll back through it. And um, as I say, I'll be doing the same again in December this year. So, I mean, I, I, I do a lot of kind of note-taking and things throughout the year and in preparation for the pod. So that all kind of come together uh, with my end-of-the-year rundown. And, uh, the, yeah, the posts that I do more recently, they're a little bit more... Piffy, a little, a little shorter, but that's just that's just time. But um, I like to think that that it's uh, kind of turning some people on to some good stuff, anyway. Yeah, I think it's a super cool Instagram. I've I've always thought that from the first time I saw it because you've got a really good like, um, as well as you're very like you're a very skillful writer. I, we've we've talked about this a, cu- a few times, but you really are like particularly in this. Um, well, I say particularly in this genre. I mean, basically, this is all I've ever read of you. So, like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what your like science fiction uh, short stories are like. But your your writing right. about music is is real, real good, like real clear, um, but also kind of witty and funny. And um, you always get across like your sort of passionate feelings about music. I think that's what comes across most from your Instagram. Well, and that's really nice for you too. Oh, well, the volume of it tells you that apart from anything else as well. As you said, like thousands, uh, a, a thousand a thousand posts is not an insignificant amount to do. So um, so that's super cool. Yeah, like uh, I've, I've, I've thought that since I saw it and it um, 
podcast origins, you know, like I just um I phoned you that that time and I just said, Look, do you want to do a music podcast? And you just went, Yeah. <laughs> <Was that really? laughs> it was much more complicated than that. Um, but I feel like we've got a good kind of like blend of like your sort of critical, I was gonna say critical eye, your critical ear, and also your like wealth of knowledge and, and context and linking prowess you know taking oh this sounds like that that's that's not an insignificant amount of listening you have to do to be able to do that so that's real cool and then i, I maybe bring a more kind of like uh musician musical type angle to things um as someone who's played a few gigs and, and played some music so yeah i yeah, think we've got a good absolutely. a good thing Definitely, yeah, definitely. I've, and it, I, I think it was a pretty much an instant yes for me, but I had no idea if I could actually do this, actually talking about it. I think I'm more comfortable, you know, with the written word kind of thing. But yeah, as we, as we talked about earlier, I think we just like to think that we're getting better at it and we'll continue to do so. Yeah, I think so. And I think like it's good how we, if you go back and listen to our like uh, first um first podcasts like the the really early ones i think what we're saying is really good but we're a bit stiff and i think we've mm. like lo- loosened up over time um and i can't imagine podcasting like this with anyone else i mean imagine we had a third wheel now <laughs> you know it'd be like adding in like poochie in the simpsons you know be, <laughs> be so wrong yeah and, and what about you so so your thing would be guitarist and deadline shakes yeah, um, you can find us on all the social media. All the social media <laughs> <laughs> at Deadline Sheets. So yeah, um, so so when did when did that start and where's it going? Uh, well, the, it started a long, long time ago. Um, because basically, um, the relationships that I have with the the sort of the core members of the band who've always been in the band, um, are like really, really long term friendships. So like. Greg and I, Greg, who's the lead singer, and I have been friends since I think I was five and he was four, and I'm 37 now. Um, so that's just a life that's a lifetime wow. friendship. So, uh, but we don't just share musical interests; we have all sorts of interests. And he actually lives down the street from me. I mean, I couldn't quite kick a football in his back garden, but it's not far off it. Um, he actually moved here first, so I did sort of copycat him on on this area. But whatever. Um, so there's there's that long term friendship. Bass player Martin, who we heard from earlier on, um, who's also like a visual artist and 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 just a bloody lovely chap. Generally, we've been friends since high school, so I've known him since I was about fourteen or something like that. So again, it's just a really long term friendship. Tom, who's our drummer, I met a little bit after that, um, because he's a friend of so Greg when he went to university, um, met this girl Lauren, Lauren's boyfriend Tom, and then we sort of all all met through there and they're, they're now married and stuff. So um, again, Tom's a really, really long-term friend as well, and it's that core friendship that kind of keeps the keeps the band chugging along. So I think in terms of our like important dates and timelines, we started playing music together in two thousand and seven um, because we were all separately in different bands, um, and I don't want to mention the names of the other bands because some of them I have forgotten. So I won't mention them. Um, Tom's band name is very hard to forget because he was in a band called Cherry Nipples. So this is the only <laughs> Cherry Nipples reference this podcast ever getting. But we're all in different bands and they all sort of sort of like flopped at the same time. They all kind of fell apart at the same time. So we just naturally looked at each other and went, right, let's do this. And we went through a few different members and, and so on over the years. Were you um, not tempted I, to carry on the Cherry Nipples name? 
No, it was copyrighted, so we 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 just couldn't. So that's fine. Um, and uh, we struggled with the name for a while, actually, and we've debated changing it for years and years and years. But I, I really like the name, the Deadline Shakes. It's just kind of odd enough to be sort of memorable, I think. Um, and it has some kind of meaning behind it as well. Um, not a specific one, but just it feels weighty. Um, but yeah, so we we kind we kind of came together. Um, we've added and removed various musicians. Sam, uh, who we heard from earlier in the podcast, has been like um, one of our longest term like additions. And uh, when we play live now, um, when we want to play live, we want we want Sam there because he's he's just so good. Like, he's just so good. Like he just makes everything easier having him there. Um, and he's such a great player. Um, so 2007, we got together, various uh, changes and so on. And I think about 2012, we signed to a small indie label. Uh, called Flowers in the Dustbin Records, um, who signed us up to a contract asking us to put out a single, I think, initially, um, which was actually Greg's like home demo of a song called Sweeten the Deal, um, which we then later re-recorded. And we released an album with the same label in 2015 called, um, called Zealots, which we were very proud of at the time. And that period between like 2012 and 2015 was very, like, intense we were playing a lot we played a lot of gigs played a lot of festivals the music went around the world we had reviews coming in from like africa and germany and japan and we knew getting listeners listener statistics from all these places we had some big successes um like our song sweetener deal was chosen to be on the people make glasgow advert for the commonwealth games um and we were like played on all the big UK radio stations, not all of them, but lots of big UK radio stations, played a show with Gig, uh, Vic Galloway at BBC Scotland um, and did loads and loads of stuff in the run-up to Zealots. And then after Zealots, I think life has taken over a little bit. Um, it didn't quite go up to the next gear for us, so we didn't become a sort of medium-sized touring band or anything like that. So mm-hmm. life a bit took over at that point and you know, people start having kids and, and all that sort of thing. So that, that slowed us down and a, and a pandemic as well has really slowed us down. So we have... A second album in the can, which has been in the can for a, a while now, and we're at the point where we're really looking around and finding what is the avenue down which we can release this. So we we are not currently with a label, so we're trying to think about self release and and all that sort of stuff. And it's actually hard; it's actually difficult to do, um, and you have to invest uh, your own cash into it a little bit as well. So. Um, there's those kind of concerns, but um, I'm glad to say we're still together. We're still a going concern, and um, hopefully in the next year, I'll be chatting a little bit more about you know band stuff, things we're doing, upcoming gigs, hopefully, and and uh, an album release would be would be really nice. So there you go. That's a potty history. No, I love it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I would be really, really super cool to to get the album out. Oh, and that'd be good. Get everybody hearing it. Yeah. I believe we're going to hear some stuff today. We're gonna, we're gonna, and this is like a sort of uh, uh, an exclusive for want of a better, for want of a better way of putting it. But we, um, I mean, it's my podcast, so I mean, of, of course, I would be the first person to play this music, obviously, right? So, um, regular listeners will have noticed that you did not actually hear our usual intro music. Nor was it that shit Paul McCartney song from a few weeks ago. Um, <laughs> I played um, I played the Deadline Shakes track "Heavy Baby" uh, in its entirety. Um, that is it. That has been our consistent intro music for a year, but we've never talked about it before. But that is actually one of my band's mm. uh, new tracks on our on our second record. And um, in a kind of sort of 
vinyl word style segment. I've asked Greg, um, who I talked about there, um, to do a sort of like an intro to um, to our track "Ditching of the Roses," which he's done in classic Greg. It's it's hilarious. I don't want I don't even want to trail it too much. It's just really funny. Um, so just before we play out with a, a final deadline shake song, is there anything else that we should say, Andrew, after this marathon podcasting session? <laughs> just uh, thank you if you're if you're still listening at this point. Who's <laughs> <laughs> uh, made it this far? Yeah, we should give like a code word, like, <laughs> like leave the code word if it's this far. Uh, I know. Uh, big, the, I've got the code word. I've got it ready. Are you ready? Big Johnny. Big Johnny. Big Johnny. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say, I'll just say um, a couple of thank yous, if that's all right, Andrew, if I may. Um, yeah. I will say primarily thank you to you. Thank you for being my podcast partner in crime. Um, and uh, it wouldn't be possible to do this without without you. You're the person who chooses the tracks and, and knows the stuff. So thank you so much for that. I'll now leave appropriate gap for you to thank me. No, thank you, Ian, for uh, <laughs> for for me and uh, suggesting that we do this because it's super fun and it's a real highlight of my week. So, thank you. Cheers, cheers to us, and let's also thank all the people who've contributed to today's podcast. Thank you so much. I know it's a I don't even know how long it's going to be, but it's a long one. But we wanted to make sure everyone who'd messaged us or whatever we tried to include as many as we could. If we've missed anyone out, I'm sorry, we didn't mean it. Um, so thanks so much for you guys. And thanks to everyone who regularly listens. And if anyone wants to contribute financially to the podcast, do you know what, Andrew? They can. They can do that. <laughs> Should I tell them where they can do it? Yes, go for it. They can do it at www.buymeacoffee.com slash wonders. And for just the price of a coffee or two, you can send some uh, cash away, which we use to put towards the ongoing running costs of this podcast we don't take any profit andrew there's no we, profit to take <laughs> so we don't yeah it got, it got me thinking like the people that have listened to all 50 episodes you know that that's 10 pence an episode if you were to buy us a coffee that so seems if, like nothing that's it that seems reasonable doesn't it so if you if you feel like the, the episodes are worth 10 pence each or maybe even 20 pence each then yeah buy us a couple of coffees that would be great and we can make it 50 more yeah, 50 more. I think we'll do 50 more, will we? I think we will. I like to think so. Yeah, well, this is the bi- the bicentennial. This is the, the 50, so I would like to get to 100. I'd like to get 100, which would be approximately August next year. I think we can manage that, barring, you know, accident and injury and all that stuff. So, uh, so yeah, it's thanks to everyone's support that we got this far, so thank you so much. And I am delighted, finally, to introduce uh, my best pal, Greg, who is going to give us um, a very a very unique to the, uh, introduction to the Deadline Shakes track. Absolutely exclusive. Never heard anywhere else before. Uh, Ditching of the Roses. So uh, I guess we'll see everyone in a couple of weeks. or uh, Next week, Andrew, is that right? Yeah, we'll be back next week. Absolutely. Cheerio. It's been, it's been strange this week. I've not actually listened to any new music cardly because I, I knew that we were doing this. But yeah, we'll be back on it for next week. Yeah, hopefully I'll have edited this podcast together by next week. That's my... That's my... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so here we go, uh, Greg, and uh, thanks so much, guys. Catch you later. See you later. Hello, it's Greg here from Glasgow Outfit, The Deadline Shakes, just sending a wee message to introduce a new song by Glasgow Outfit, The Deadline Shakes. Uh, 
Your host, Ian, has been my pal for about 30 years and member, co-founder, leading stakeholder and value adder at Glasgow Outfit. The deadline shakes for a good portion of those. Um, people often ask me, what makes Ian tick? What does he bring to Glasgow Outfit, the deadline shakes? Why is he in the band? Did that thing he did at the aquarium not mean that he should no longer be in the band? And I say, hold on. Nothing was proven there. Back off. Obviously, I'm biased, but I do honestly think Ian is a guitarist and a human, and that's what I like about him. So what's this song then? It's called Ditching of the Roses, and it will be out in a few months as the first single of our new album we'll be releasing called Documentaries, our second album after our 1978 debut, Zealots. Ian asked me to say something about the song. Um, the lyrics are about someone being weird on the internet and making it someone else's problem. Uh, it's good because we couldn't talk about those kind of things um, on Zealots as uh, there was no internet at the time. The music, well, you can see what you think. I hope you like it. There's uh, there's a that goes like ba 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 and there's like that. Uh, oh, you'll hear it anyway. I <laughs> love the show, Steve. I genuinely listen to it for pleasure. And like Ian, find myself often chuckling at Andrew's encyclopedic knowledge, which he wears very lightly. Thanks and bye-bye. That's just kick it in, in there when I say go do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> listen they'll never make that aquarium shit stick to me man no way I don't know the reasons for every little thing I do but I can guess the creep because of you
ever shout a got it I would have faded for another street But you'd never be so in